our topic of discussion is the problem of evil and suffering. The problem of evil and suffering. It is impossible in the next 30 to 40 minutes to describe um, the biblical basis or the biblical understanding or the biblical insight on this subject. Um, almost from the very beginning of the Bible, evil and suffering show up. Um, and so we do have an answer for it, but I also see it as something that we as followers of Jesus need to have an answer for because people are asking questions. And it's not that we have all the answers because only the Lord has all the answers. And there have been plenty of times where I've been in situations where I've said, you know what, I just don't know. I don't know what, what, what's going on here. I don't know what the situation, I don't know, I don't know what to tell you. Uh, that happens sometimes. Uh, but um, I, I, it's been a, a very emotional week for me for a lot of reasons, uh, one of which is, is death, funerals. I mean, things just, that's a part of life, right, is death. And I think I shared with you briefly how um, about a week and a half ago, a little bit less than that, I, I, I went to go see someone at the hospital. And, and they were breathing tube, feeding tube. I did not know if they were conscious or their eyes were open, did not know if they could hear me or not. But I've been in those situations long enough to know that, that I'm going to talk anyway as if they do understand because I assume that they do. And I found out later that day as I was there with him that he did understand, you know, squeeze my hand. And I could barely finish the sentence and he's squeezing my hand. And I prayed with him. And this man who's 71 years old and has touched so many lives and yet... Here he lies in this bed, and, and he cannot move at all. And, I, and I, I got right up in his face and right into his eyes, and I was able to pray with him. And, and, and it wasn't until a couple of days later, because he died the next day, that I realized that I was looking into the eyes of a man who was dying. And it, and it, and it, it, it just, I don't know, it just it, it hit me hard. It just hit me. And, and, and um, uh, so what, what, do we, what do we say in those situations? It, it, such a hard, hard situations. And, and, and I, I think when it comes to the problem of evil and suffering, the biggest issue is when it hits me, how do I respond? How do I move on? How do I cope? And so... Um, <clears throat> We will talk about that this morning. Jesus, um, just as I mentioned, my friend um, and his family, Clee, and even uh, uh, Dr. Frank, uh, Dr. Uh, uh, Dr. Hawkins, who uh, just passed away Saturday as well. And there are others, oh God, um, we watch the news and it can be depressing. It's almost like I don't even want to know. And I, when someone says to me, did you hear what happened? I just, I just take a deep breath and freeze because it's like, now what? And it just seems like these things are happening at a more frequent basis in our lives and in the lives of those around us. And so, God, this morning, would you equip us to be a people who can, who can enter into these conversations, but more so enter into the lives of those that are hurting and suffering and have experienced evil of some sort. God, we, uh, we ask you to 
have your grace shroud us and encompass us and help us. Lord, we are, we are your hands and we are your feet. And we are your mouthpiece. Sometimes, Lord, we don't know what to do, where to go, or what to say. But, Lord, we will trust in you and your grace to go before us in these situations. So, Lord, would you comfort families that are in need, people who are hurting and have experienced incredible evil. Lord, would you be with them and would you show yourself strong in the name of Jesus. And if you agree with that, would you say amen? Amen. Give someone a high five and have a seat if you would, please. October the 1st, 2017, if you live in Las Vegas, you know exactly what that means. Anytime a day on the calendar, just the date itself describes an event, that's a powerful, powerful day. October 1, that's all you have to say. And everybody in Las Vegas understands what that means. We know the numbers, 58 people killed 422 wounded, and in the panic and the aftermath of people literally running for their lives, 851 people injured somehow, some way. And life in Las Vegas changed October 1. We have some um, neighbors who used to live uh, next door to us, who moved. They're retired Metro folks, and both of them retired, and they left Las Vegas. They left. And essentially they said, well, we got a 13-year-old son. We know what's coming. We know what is, and we know what's coming. And we're not staying here. We're not. We're choosing not to raise our kids in this situation. I believe October 1... And I don't know this to be true, but I believe that just sort of said that's it. And that pushed them over the edge, especially um, in the aftermath of what they had to do. They also, as they moved up to northern Idaho, almost to the Canada border, they also made sure they got Las Vegas Raider tickets. <laughs> Minute, you're not really leaving, are you? Well, yes, but we do have... <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, about four years ago, I was um, a p privileged to be part of a team of, of pastors who went on a trip uh, to Poland and London and the Ronald Reagan Museum. The purpose of the trip was uh, to, to visit places where, where culture shifted, literally. Um, Krakow, Poland. On the outskirts of that is Auschwitz and Birkenau. And being a, a, an American of German descent and walking through the halls, the place, it was, it was I don't know how to describe it. Uh, it was pretty shocking. I mean, you know about it, you heard about it, but, but standing in the place, reading the signs, looking at the plaques, looking at the chimney where the smoke was going up, hearing the stories. Um, yeah, I'll never forget it. I'll never forget it. It was, it was a very, 
emotional time. Um, and I would imagine that it would be that for anybody who would visit there. Two mass shootings in the span of 14 hours this summer in America left 29 people dead. El Paso, Texas, and Dayton, Ohio, the latest in mass shootings in 2019. And this one statistic that I heard said that the number of such events is one every 12.7 days this year. It has happened so frequently, many of which we don't even hear about as much. The carnage that's happening in, in Chicago, um, you don't hear about that as much. It's every bit as real. So apart from God, here's my question first to begin. Apart from God, how do you define what evil is? Because if you say that something's evil... What's the basis for saying that? Is it discomfort? Is it hurting someone else? Is it, well, whatever society says, if there's a group of people that say this is really, really evil, then how do you judge another society that says, okay, that's not evil, or that what they do is evil? Apart from God, how do you really define evil, and how do you say what's good or what's bad? John Stone Street, uh, in his writings, he is... Uh, uh, took over Chuck Colson's ministry, Prison Fellowship. He does a radio broadcast every day, a little short vi radio blurb. Um, describes evil in a number of different ways. We're going to unpack some of that this morning. And the first thing he says is that, is that there is a, a moral evil. And a moral evil is the evil that's a result of uh, choices by human beings. It's when you read in the newspaper about rape or murder or torture or terrorism, and it just kind of makes you shake your head and wonder, as I did in Auschwitz, how in the world can someone do this? How? I mean, I get that, you know, people, you know, have hatred and there's racism and that's ugly, but how in the world can a nation literally try to exterminate an entire people group? How can that possibly be? How, I, well, the Bible gives us a little bit of insight to the evil in the world, and this is what it says in Genesis chapter 6. The, 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 the situation on earth was really, really bad, and this is early on. Remember, if you're wrong on the first 11 chapters of Genesis, you'll be wrong by the time you get to Revelation, even way before then. And so we're constantly going back to Genesis, and this gives us a little bit of backdrop about a time when when people were inventing ways of evil. And it says in Genesis 6, 5, the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination and intention of all human thinking was only evil continually. And the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth and he was grieved. Everybody say grieved. He was grieved in his heart. You can think about that sometime about God experiencing grief. Um, what does that mean? How does that compute? I don't know. So, verse 7 says, So the Lord said, I will destroy, blot out, and wipe away mankind who I have created from the face of the ground. Not only man, but the beast and the creeping things and the birds of the air. For it grieves me 
and makes me regretful that I have made them. It was that bad. And if you know the rest of the story, there was one family in all of the earth, the inhabited earth at that time, there was one family that was righteous, really just one man that was righteous, and his family joined him, and he built a big ship called the Ark, and everything was destroyed. It took him 120 years to build that Ark, and nobody turned to God, and everyone perished, everyone, okay? Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9, gives us a little more insight as we kind of define this thing called evil, and it says this, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked, who can know it? So we look at moral evil and we say, okay, so the problem of evil is in here. It's in our hearts. It's the rebelliousness within us. And so that gives us a little bit of light on this thing that we're going to talk about this morning. There's natural evil. We call those acts of nature. There's really no human will involved. It's a tsunami or an earthquake or some devastation that's caused by fire or water or the earth shifting. And and we read about these things and, and, and we go, whoa, man, that is serious. And most of the time it's someplace else. Of course, in the East Coast, that's not necessarily the case due to hurricanes and things like that. That's natural evil. Another description is called maximum evil. This is how he defines it. It's, it's innocent suffering. It includes the first and the second categories, but, um, um, uh, but those who are affected uh, that are innocent human beings. Uh, there's uh, abortion. Uh, it, it just, I, I'm always, okay, a little bit angered when I hear that abortion is about women's health, which it's not, and yet nobody discusses the health of the baby in the womb. Um, That's not a part of the discussion. It's like that baby doesn't get a vote. And and, uh, we we did a a teaching on abortion months ago. You can look it up online if you want to hear more on that, uh, how we kind of unpack that. It is, it, is, it is a child that is molested. It is, it, is, it is someone that's so physically or mentally challenged that we go, oh my gosh, that, 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 the struggle to even live, right? Maximum evil. Um, most would consider that c- category the hardest one to make sense of since it seems that there's really no logical explanation for that, okay? Um, Two ways to address, so there's three kind of categories of evil, but two ways to address. One is the logical reason, and the other is the personal reason. On the logical side, it attempts to make sense of the existence of evil, and it asks this question, how can a, a uh, uh, omniscient, um, omnibenevolent, uh, all-knowing, all-loving, omnipotent, all-powerful God How could that God allow evil? Maybe you've heard that question. Okay, if your God is a God of love, how can he allow this? Well, and the the, the logic goes like this. Here's the proposition. The first proposition is that uh, if there were an all-good God, he would destroy evil. That's the first proposition, if there were. Secondly, if God 
were all-powerful, he could. So first is, is if he were all good, he would. And then if he was all-powerful, he could. And so people look at the earth and they say evil has not been destroyed. And again, how do you define evil? Evil has not been destroyed, so therefore there is no all-good, all-powerful God. And there are people who get to that point very easily. And it's up to us to have answers. Not that we have all the answers, but to enter into the conversation. All right? So that's the logical side. Then there's a personal side. And it attempts to make sense uh, of the existence of evil and suffering. And it would ask God, God, why would you allow this evil to happen to me? The, the, the personal side is, is, is diff, maybe even more difficult because it's not abstract. It's, it, it deals with real people and real situations uh, and and it, it it affects our own lives. And it's one thing to, to see an evil that's out there and go, oh my gosh, it's a whole other thing when, when I see it in my own life or it, it affects me somehow. Uh, that is the, the personal side. Now, I've said this to you many times, that Christianity is not the only worldview that must give an answer for evil. Everyone has to give an answer for this. You don't get a pass to say, well, we disagree with what you believe as followers of Jesus to the existence of evil. Okay, then what do you believe? You've got to ask that question because I'm going to tell you what I think and why I believe what I believe the Bible says about it, but you don't get a pass. You don't get to say, well, that's just how it is. That's not a good explanation. And that's not a good explanation when evil hits you in your life. You just can't say, well, you know, that's just how it goes. No, no, that is not sufficient. There needs to be more than that. And so naturalism, that is the existence, the only thing that exists is what you can see. If you can't see it, it doesn't exist. That's the naturalist. So therefore, there's no God, there's no angels, there's no devil. None of that realm exists. Only the physical world exists. And ultimately, uh, if there's no God, then there's really no meaning Uh, there's no purpose behind things, there's no master plan working everything together. For the naturalist, when evil happens, it's just bad luck. They wouldn't even call it bad karma because they don't believe in that. It's random. It's purposeless. It's like, sorry, dude, you were at the right place at the wrong time, and there's, there's really nothing that the naturalistic viewpoint can give you. It can't comfort you, or maybe it can put an arm around you and say, I'm so sorry, but that's it. They can't say, you know, maybe good will come. No, you can't say that. Well, what's good? Uh, well, maybe there's, there's some pur- master purpose. Well, I don't believe in a master purpose. There, there's, there's nothing that the naturalist can give you, but, but hopefully put an arm around you and maybe weep with you because there's no meaning to it at all. It's all random chance plus time. Then there's the transcendentalist who believes that the physical world and everything in it is just an illusion. And therefore, evil and suffering is is really an illusion and that some may also, in the transcendental viewpoint, see it as a result of karma. Well, obviously, this person has done something in this life or a previous life that is wrong. Therefore, this has happened to them. Um, that does not help me today. That does not give me, that, that tells me I'm a bad person and this is my own doing 
even when it's moral evil and I had nothing to do with it. They, they might say that's kind of how the universe balances out and you're just on the bad end of that. There's a theistic viewpoint which we believe that says that, that the natural and the supernatural exist and that God has allowed evil for some purpose that's beyond our knowledge. The, the, the theist, those who believe in God, who believe in the God of the Bible, would say that evil is a result of sin and selfishness and Satan. We go back to Genesis and we see where evil took place, where evil came in and sort of took title deed to the earth when it was given to Adam and Eve and Satan came in and, and you know the story how he, how he uh, deceived Adam and Eve and, and therefore, you know, everything from that point on began to break down. Uh, it wasn't too long after that that Adam and Eve had their first kids and one brother killed the other. There it is right there, right there in Genesis. We go back to the beginning. So evil is a result of sin and selfishness and Satan. And if you don't believe in a supernatural realm, then you don't believe in Satan and demons. And it turns out the Bible has a lot to say about Satan. In Ezekiel chapter 28, there's a, there's a, a writing and it describes this angelic being Satan. And uh, Ezekiel says, uh, you were, had the seal of perfection. You were full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were in the Garden of Eden, Satan, the Garden of God. And it talks about all the precious stones that this angelic being had, the gold, uh, and the gold, the workmanship of your settings and sockets was in you. On the day you were created, they were prepared. Verse 14 says, you were the anointed cherub who covers, and I placed you there. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked in the midst of stones of fire. Verse 15 of Ezekiel 28, speaking of Satan, says, at one time you were blameless in all your, your ways from the day you were created until unrighteousness was found in you. Verse 17 says, your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom by reason of your splendor. And so the Bible gives us some insight into this demonic being, Satan, who came and, 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 and took the world captive, if you would. And speaking of this devil, it says in, in uh, Revelation 12, 9, he's a deceiver. In John 8, 4, he's the father of lies. 1 Peter 5, 9 says he's our adversary who prowls around like a roaring lion seeking to devour whom he may. And so um, there you have our theistic worldview. Sin and selfishness and Satan. So the, this issue of evil and suffering is a complicated issue. It's not easy to answer. Um, and again, referencing back to John Stone, Stone Street, he, he likes to break it up into past and future and present. And, and we're, we're going to do that as well. So, so according to our Christian worldview, God formed the universe, created his creation. He said that it was good um, Adam and Eve chose freely to disobey God. Disobedience resulted into a fallen world and then a fallen race. Um, and so one point that I want you to understand about this whole discussion is that neither mankind nor nature 
exist today the way that God originally designed it to exist. Neither mankind nor nature exists today the way that God originally designed it to exist. So we have moral evil. Man caused evil. We have natural evil. And it's not caused by men, but it happens. And then we have that ultimate evil where it's the suffering of the innocent. So here's a question. How can evil exist with a good God? If God could do anything and were truly good, wouldn't he stop all evil and suffering? Wouldn't it be great if all evil and suffering, what would that even look like? If it was all gone, all of it, I see lots of smiling faces in the crowd. We fully believe that God could end evil if he wanted to. But we freely believe God could end evil right now if he wanted to. Years ago, there was, a, there was a debate at UNLV about God. And it was, a, it was two, uh, uh, one professor and one of his students, and, and they were atheists. And they were representing the atheist viewpoint, the naturalistic worldview. And uh, Dr. Guthrie and some others were representing the theistic or the Christian worldview on the existence of God. They had a Q&A session afterwards. And I asked a question to the opposing side, and I'll just call that the atheist side. And I said, I have a question for you. If you do not have free will, is it still love? Like, can you love somebody without choice? I mean, don't you want your children to love you because they choose to versus you making them? That was my question. If God ended evil right now, we would no longer be exercising free will. John Stone Street says this. He says, just as it is difficult to imagine a God existing with evil, it is equally difficult to imagine a God that allows human choice. And yet that's what God has done. If all of our actions were predetermined and pre-programmed to be good, or at least not evil, then how could human beings ever be considered good? If you had hardwired into you nothing but good, regardless of your choice, it's, it's not just what you choose, it's who you are. And so if that was a part of your, the core of who you are, you, it was impossible for you to do evil, then how could you have free will. I mean, God's given us this thing called free will, and therefore humans choose. So therefore, humans chose evil. And I choose it too. We all do. The future tense, that's the past tense, the future tense is this, and this is good news. The Bible tells us that although creation is fallen, that someday it will be restored, evil will be destroyed, 
and fallen humanity will one day be redeemed. Redeemed means that you were on the slavery block of auction. You were a slave to sin and self and, and Satan. And Jesus came into your life and he bought you off of the slavery block. And when we talk about freedom in, in church, that's what we mean. We're no longer a slave to sin. Everyone will be someone's slave You will be a slave to sin or selfishness or Satan. You will be, or you'll be a slave to God, a bondservant of Jesus Christ. Can anybody say amen to that? You will serve something. You will worship something. And we understand that we've been redeemed. We're told that the end will be better than the beginning, that the end in Revelation will be better than Genesis was pretty cool until they ate the forbidden fruit. But we are told in the Scriptures the Revelation will be better than Genesis. And that a world redeemed is better than a world that has never fallen. A world redeemed is better than a world that has never fallen. A world redeemed is better than a world that has never fallen because of one word. And that word is grace. Because in all of the creative incredible, I can't even describe the mind of of God that that in in creating the stars and the cosmos and black holes and universes upon universes upon universes and and stars that that are unlimited, it's impossible to count the stars and God calls them out by name and he just said, let there be and it was and there it was, the entire universe, Uh, 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 energy, matter, all of it created by God and, 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 and that God had one thing that was not on display and in the beginning, and that was his grace. Oh, it was gracious of him to create the world. It was gracious of him to, to create Adam and Eve. It was gracious of him to plant them in the perfect environment. It was gracious of him to say, do everything you want but this. And it, and it was sinful for them to do the one thing God said not do. So God's grace was instituted. Grace. Revelation 21 says this, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth passed away, and there was no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride, adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, and he will uh, dwell among them and they shall be his people and God himself will be among them and he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and there will no longer be any death. There will, be, there will no longer be any mourning or crying or pain for the first things have passed away. The, the end will be better than the beginning. So here's the proposition that maybe you've heard before and let's rework the last sentence. Proposition three. First, If God were all good, he would destroy evil. And if God were all powerful, he could destroy evil. Evil has not yet been destroyed. And the conclusion is one day evil will be destroyed by an all good, all powerful God. Summary, the end will be better than the beginning A world redeemed is better than a world that never fell. And then God doesn't just forgive sins. 
he redeems sinners. So let's talk about the present as we kind of wrap up this morning. Um, we are going to take a missions offering at the end of our time, so I want, to, want you to be prepared for that. I think there's also a unique perspective to the uh, Christian worldview, and that is the view of the present. According to the Scripture, we serve a God that doesn't merely allow suffering. He allows it and hurt and pain. He allows it, but He also suffers with us. And He has suffered for us. That's different. That's a whole other perspective. Well, if God was all good, why would He? That's a reasonable question. And in giving that answer, and it's not an easy answer, this is the closer, that he has entered into our suffering. And you could almost say he weeps when we weep. You could almost say that. Well, the scripture says this. This is the answer to personal suffering. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his stripes or by his wounds we are healed. Isaiah 53.5. Isaiah 53.4 says this, Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows. Our God suffers with us. If, in, the, in the context of what I've just said, you understand that, right? And Jesus isn't in heaven still suffering for us, but he has entered into our suffering. Does that, does that make sense? Do you agree with that, right? Do you agree with that? That when, when you are at your darkest, harsh, hardest moments in life, God's presence is probably closer to you than any other time. He's with us. You get that? Um, there's a picture that I, that I want to show you that is kind of one of my favorites that summarizes that very well. Because sometimes you, you need to understand that he's holding you up because you don't know how you're holding up. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15 says, For we do not have a high priest who was unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but, what, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet without sin. He has entered into our suffering and temptation and, and our pain and our hurt. Let me summarize with just a few things. I just wrote this down. Trust in tragedy. Trust in tragedy. It happens. It happens to those around us. It happens in our lives. I don't know about you, but I hear stuff and I just... Man, it's, it just takes the life out of you. When I went to see my friend Friday a week ago... And then I got the text message Saturday night that he had died. I, it just, just, you all know what I'm talking about, where you just feel like the life just got sucked out of you. 
or you hear about someone that you, you know, maybe you haven't seen in a while and you hear about something tragic in their life and you go, what? Or you say, man, I, I just talked to that person last week. No way. And, and it, it, oh. I hate it. I hate it. We got to trust in tragedy. We got to be the arms and feet of Jesus, right? When one suffers, we all suffer. So we come alongside those. Living grace, you do it so well. Some John Stone Street said this. He goes, that people do wicked, unbelievable things is about the heart of people, not about the heart of God. Because people blame God. It's all your fault, God. It's not about God. It's about people. And if you understand the heart of people, we know that wasn't, it's not what God wanted either. But for whatever reason, God allowed it. Sometimes that doesn't make sense. It was 3 o'clock in the morning when I got the phone call, and this was back in the day when you had a phone that was attached to the wall. Couldn't turn the ringer off. That's what I do now. It's 3 a.m. I knew it wasn't good. I knew it. I knew it. I didn't want to answer. That was before answering machines, so I had to answer. It's 3 in the morning. It's not a sales call. I pick it up. Chaos on the other end of the line. Screaming, chaos, people yelling. And I'm like, what? I have a father on the other end of the line tells me that his son just got shot in a drive-by shooting, and he's dead. And all I could say is, where are you? Threw some clothes on and got there as quick as I could. That's all I could say. Where are you? Those things rock you. They shake you. And sometimes they make you question where God is. And you say, God, how? Really? God, how could you? It's not God's fault. People are evil. It was very hard for that man. I can't even imagine it. But I will say this. As he walked through the grief process, he started helping other people. And he became an advocate for victims. And he became part of a group that, a victims advocacy group. And when those people needed to talk to someone, They called him. He said, where are you? And he's able to minister to him. Better than any minister I know. (laughs) Because he's been there. These, this evil and suffering stuff really makes you think about what's important, doesn't it? 
I was in a room Friday of former UNLV basketball players and running Rebel family because one of this coach had passed away. And, and we're standing around, talking, sharing stories, loving on one another. And I just kind of stepped back and I looked around at the room and the family was there. And they just said, hey, it's just going to be an open casket. Just come and love on people and love on one another. And I just remember thinking, you know what? This is really what it's all about. It's what it's all about. It's all about. I close with this. Ravi Zacharias said this, and I think it's brilliant. He said, It is the woman who has been raped that understands what rape is, not the rapist. It is the person who has been slandered who understands what slander is, not the slanderer. And then he said, It is the one who died for our sins who understands what evil is, not the skeptics. Let's pray.